a special program in living color on NBC. This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show third anniversary special starring Spud Goodman and featuring a galaxy of guest stars. And now here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, Accordion Joe. The Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's woo, Spud Goodman. Greetings. I go by the name of Spud Goodman. And this show goes by the name of. Okay, I guess you can figure out that, yeah, it's the Spud Goodman Show. Yes! So I'll now introduce our designated laugher, Gina. This is your moment to, uh, to display to the world the skills that you were blessed with. Is it too early in the show to go with my, you know, belly laugh? I mean, maybe I should wait for the appropriate uh, moment later on. Maybe well, it's too soon. It might be a little bit unnerving to the listeners. <laughs> Uh, no, let's, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's hold off on the belly laughs until later when we're closing the show. So start it off with a basic guffaw, if you would. <laughs> How was that? Was that okay? Yep, well done. And now I'm supposed to introduce our temporary co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Say something. Just a syllable will suffice. Well, it's temporary permanent co-host, and uh, to be accurate, and, and I'm going to have to use more than a single syllable. That, that would not even be a recognizable sound. Heads are spinning. Hey, being brief and to the point is at the top of a co-host's job description, man. <laughs> I, I know you're joking, right? That no. Would, that would sound like this. Er. No. Oh, well done. So I should state now for the record, this is our three-year anniversary special. And that's important. So we will be revisiting moments from the past three years, though mostly from the last years. I'm sick of the same stuff from, you know, the two-year anniversary episode or the first year's anniversary show. Yeah, well, hey, would you like me to set up a few of these interview highlights? I, I might be able to offer a witty anecdote or or memory that would give the listeners some insight. And the on answer is no. <laughs> Gerald, Jeez. it's... If you are allowed to jump in and introduce segments with guests, then I sure want my opportunity here, too. Come on, you can do it. I mean, laughing on demand is not the full picture of what I have to offer. But Gina, don't let professional jealousy get the better of you. I know you're better than that. Listen, we all need to do what's best for the show, and a designated laugher, as on all drive-time radio programs, understand that they have to remain in the background and support the male on-air staff. It's wow. a proven formula. Shut up. Uh, well, I admit, I do feel a little bit creepy with this arrangement, but well, I can't argue with the formula, right? Uh, yeah, you could. Even my instructor at the radio broadcasting program I graduated from said that he had serious misgivings with the designated laugher course he okay, taught. Okay. I mean, do you think any woman would willingly choose the position over an on-air job? Listen, I already feel like enough like Don Draper at Sterling Cooper Draper and Price, so we should probably just start off with the highlights now. How about a, this is a conversation I had with the one and only Don Rickles. Roll it, Dave. I, just, uh, I, 
I'd love to bring in uh, the topic of the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra, if I may. How, sure. how big a set of testicles do you have as when he was in the audience at your show, uh, a show of yours in Miami Beach in the 50s, you yelled out to him, make yourself at home, Frank, hit someone. Now that is fearless comedy. You, I mean, my gosh. Yeah, well, I, I, I did that, but when I also, uh, a big thing that people used to talk about, I was with this girl in my single days. I'm married 50 years, but way before my my marriage to a wonderful lady, I uh, I was with this uh, girl that was, uh, you know, uh, I hoped to score with. Yeah. In, in the Sands Hotel, and we were having dinner, and Frank was at another table, and uh, she said, "Do you know Frank Sinatra?" And of course, to get lucky, I said, "Of course I do," which I really did. And I said, "Just wait a minute." And I went over to Frank's table. I said, Frank, you got a minute? He said, sure. He called me Bullethead, by the way. He said, yeah, what is a Bullethead? I said, listen, if you could come over to the table and say hello in front of this girl, it would mean the works for me. You know what I'm saying? He said, Don, it's done. I said, not right away. Wait a few minutes. And so I went back to my table and to him, I took a drink and informed by Frank. And he said, hey, Don, how are you? I said, not now, Frank. Can't you see I'm eating? Dang, I, I, I'm expecting you got a little payoff later that night. I mean, oh. No, no, he laughed his ass off. All right, all right, all right. Nobody, nobody ever did that to him, and the way I say it and do it, it's always funny. All right. Um, also, also, this is another question about your act. It's a quick question. The Spud Goodman Show, it has some merit. Uh, say, Spud, yeah? they're telling me your Uncle Steve is holding on the line to speak with you. I didn't ask him if he was going to do his ventriloquist thing with that dummy yeah, yeah. Jerry he well, carries around. Yeah. You know, he does know this is radio, right? You're no longer doing your cable TV show. Uh, he's a very strange man. Strange? Do you want to take the call? I would say misunderstood rather than strange. Well, I know him carrying around that dummy seems a bit weird, yeah. especially since he's not a ventriloquist, but it gives him a sense of purpose, and, you know, who are we to judge? And <laughs> as I've said, I've learned over the years to just humor him, so just put him on, I'll get rid of him really fast. Uncle Steve, you there? Hey, Spud, Jerry here uh, was listening to the show and thought, we should call in and congratulate you on still being on the air after three years. Here, I'll let him speak. Oh, this will be good. Oh, yeah, nice. hey, oh. be honest, dude. When you started this dumb radio show, did you ever think you would still be on the air after a few months? I mean, you suck. But so do most people on the radio. So I guess that saved you, right? Tonight, a Kelly File exclusive. Uncle Steve, I'd rather not have this conversation live now. Can, can you call me later and we can catch up on stuff? I think what Jerry here is saying is you must be pleasantly surprised to have survived this long on the radio. Yeah, you know, Spud, uh, most shows don't last this long. Yeah, so why the surprise I still have a radio show? It's believable. It's plausible. What? what what's that, Jerry? Okay, you answer him then. Because you were in your prime when you had that TV show. Now you're just another washed-up geezer hanging on with a lame little radio show. You had me at hello. Now, Jerry, don't be rude here. No need for that. Spud is family. Uh, Uncle Steve, can you please not continue referring to that hunk of balsa wood as family? It devalues all of us Goodmans. I gotta go now. Uh, all right, but Jerry wants to know if you're going to have a musical guest on this show. If not, then he said he's bailing. And we'll watch another episode of Stranger Things on Netflix. He loves that show. Well, yes, we do have a musical guest, and right now they're about to perform. So I am going right now. Goodbye. 
All right, sorry about that, everyone. Okay, please say hello to our musical guest, who I will be speaking with a little later in the show. Here is Wes Spate and the Apollo Proxy.
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show, third anniversary special. Hey, what's up, comedy fans? This is Jeff Ross, the Roastmaster. For some unknown reason, you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Okay, so I know this is our anniversary special and everything, but I mean, come on. If someone just tuned in right now, they would totally agree that this is one big sausage party. (laughs) You know, as a male employee of this show, I'm offended by that comment. Once again, Gina, militant feminism will do nothing but harm your career. You really want to play that card? Uh, yeah, you sit here and be relegated to being a glorified laughing machine, having to offer up a random laugh at some lame comment from a couple of dudes who... Hey, hey, please don't lump me in with them, Gina. You know, I know at times this show's like an Elks Club. I get it. And that's important. Gina, do I need to remind you, there's a reason that the uh, Equal Rights Amendment did not pass in the 1970s. There's a natural order to society, especially in a radio show. Uh, Gerald, in your world where women would turn butter and pop out babies like ping pong balls, I would expect that kind of an attitude. Well, I just want to say officially here on air that I have clear aspirations to one day soon have your job as a co-host and, and well, later, of course, even host. Look, 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 this might be discussion better continued at next week's staff meeting, but for the record, I think you would make a great host if and when I retire, which may be soon as <laughs> I just discovered the joy of playing bridge. Mm. You know, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are really into it and i can see why i I can lose myself in this game game has changed so so gerald just just see if the next batch of highlight segments are are ready to go and toss out a name or two for the listeners yeah gerald well you know you both know if i had a show schedule i would know what guest highlight was coming up next can i take a peek at yours or Uh, gina's schedule hell will freeze over for the last time the answer is no and not not until you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt you are no longer a security risk to my intellectual properties but can i ask just what those intellectual properties are. I mean, if they have to be guarded, I should know what are the property to protect them, right? Good call, well, yo. Anything I say or do on this program technically fall into the category of my intellectual properties. Well, th- that is ridiculous. Every word you utter or write down, you know, most of what you say on the air has little or no intellectual property to protect. <laughs> oh, shut up. Look, look, you can talk to my attorney about that. Right now, uh, let's roll some more highlights. Uh, whoever then. Hit it, Dave. Comedian Kathy Griffin. You've co-hosted On The View even after a few expulsions in the past. It seems like you're like Michael Corleone. You know, like when you seem to be out, they pull you back in. And it's, I mean, is it a love-hate deal for you? or how? It's, it's been interesting. Oh, it's a definite love-hate deal for me. And one of the reasons it's love-hate is because, and she would probably deny this, but I love Barbara Walters even though she hates me. And I learned from Barbara personally, and I'm quite proud of this, that that's okay. It's okay. Like, I have the same relationship with Oprah. I love Oprah. She hates me. But that doesn't mean I don't still love her. Yes. So, you know, I have done the countless times. How can anybody hate you? That's impossible. Well, exactly. I am obviously lovable. But um, Barbara Walters, I would say, um, expressed to me in the past that she thinks I go too far. And there would be commercial breaks where she would say, I really wish you wouldn't say those things. You really shouldn't be so vulgar. And I would just giggle like a schoolgirl. So I love all the incarnations of The View. I'm constantly following what they're up to. The cast changes are fascinating to me. 
I was there the day after the infamous Rosie Elizabeth Hasselbeck throwdown. Yeah. I was there when Elizabeth Hasselbeck came up to me backstage and was like, I love you. You say all the things that I'm afraid to say. And I was also there the day she said, how do you feel coming here saying things uh, to our face that maybe aren't so true and aren't even funny? And then I said, bring it. And the audience burst into applause. So, yes, I have had all kinds Actor of and comedian Andy Dick. Well, in 2008, you appeared as Dr. Bradley on Star Trek Voyager. Were you a Trekkie growing up? Because I really can't buy that because you were homecoming king in high school, your senior year in 83, so they just don't... Gr- I don't know. What are we talking about? Well, nothing in my life makes sense, including homecoming king. I was a character in high school. My friends and I, I didn't even come up with that stupid idea. My friend said, why don't you run for homecoming king? And I said, because I'm not even in any sports. I'm in all the drama clubs and classes, and you know, I'm an I'm a A student, and that's not my bag, man. Right. I'm not the captain of the football team. The captain, Brent... Uh, Literally, his name was Brent, Brent, what is it, Brent, Jim, Jim Bonebreak. That was his name. And he, and he looked like a Jim Bonebreak. He should have been, and I do feel bad that, because he should have been the, the homecoming king. We did it as a, as a lark. My friend said, let's put up posters, because the slogan is so funny. Don't vote for a jock, vote for a dick. And I went, well, do you guys Actor Ed Asner. Well, Ed, you've won seven Emmys to date as an actor. I supposedly am credited for having won the most Emmys for somebody who did the role both dramatically and comedically. Well, yeah, yeah. The same damn character. It was my varying of the role that got me the special attention that you are now courting me. Right, in both, you know, in the Mary Tyler Moore show as a comedy and later the drama Lou Grant. So it still has to feel pretty damn sweet, doesn't it? Oh, you bet your bippy. All right, super. Yeah. Um, How is your bippy, by the way? Well, you know, it, it, you know, lately it's been kind of neglected. Let's just go with that. So I'm working on that. I'm working on it, though. I'm working on it. Um, is it growing? Uh, no, no. Those days are long past. But, oh, that's uh, too bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 talk about the show. Uh, Maybe if you put some fertilizer on it, it would grow. Yeah, yeah. And there's also obviously. You know, as I watch cable news, there's some pills out there they're trying to, they're saying that it helps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. um, Actor, comedian David Koechner, co-star of Anchorman 1 and 2. You've done a lot of cool things, but have you had to do anything that sucked, like maybe a commercial for Preparation H or being a Chuck Norris movie? Have you done anything that's been horrible? (laughs) Why don't you check out my resume? Okay. (laughs) We've all done things that are horrible. Then you make your judgment, because I'm not going to call anything horrible. I would hope there's redeeming value in anything you do. But sometimes you might be compelled to take a job because you need the money. I do have five kids, so oh, yes. daddy has got to earn. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've been in a couple pornos I'm not proud of. Yeah. Um... Don't go away. The Spud Goodman third anniversary special will return in just a moment.
welcome back to the Spud Goodman Radio Show, third anniversary special. Say, uh, Spud, yeah. uh, accordion Joe is calling in, and he wants to know if he can jump in here. Jump in? There will be no jumping in here. Yeah, I, I know. But, you know, we just play him on tape with his introduction each week. Right. He, he's still a part of the show, Look, you know. I'm aware of his history with the show. Seriously. Okay, j- just fine. Just put him on. Are you there, Joe? Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Oh, God. Oh, see, that's nice. Besides being a fine gentleman, isn't he a great accordion player? Jeez, uh. uh. Joe. Now that's what this anniversary show needs right now, Spud. Why don't you ever book an accordion player as a musical guest? I mean, that's a big, big mistake if you ask me. Well, I didn't ask you for one thing. Do you have something to add here that might be even slightly entertaining? You mean besides playing the one instrument God made with his very own hands? You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. Uh, yeah, the prototype may have been created with the grace of somebody, but I think if, you know, you looked up, when you should have maybe glanced down to find the guilty party, as the accordion has to be the work of Lucifer. A little of it goes a long, long way, dude. You know, I actually don't mind the accordion, Spud. Way easier on the ears than those loud, screechy guitars that your musical guests play. It's jack what you're saying. No offense to the band tonight, but the accordion is actually a very soothing instrument to the soul. Well, what about the soulless out there listening? Speaking on their behalf, I can verify it is the most annoying instrument ever created. So, Joe, I need to move on here. Nice of you to call in and say happy anniversary in honor of our three years on the air with the radio show, though. I appreciate that. Well, Spud, I didn't actually call to congratulate you or the show's anniversary. Okay, well, whatever. Well, listen, just remember, I am ready and willing to be the musical guest should you come to your senses and give the people what they want, Spud. I mean, we both know if I was given more airtime, I would outshine all of you. I mean, come on, let's be honest here, Spud. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joe, I said I don't mind the accordion, but I was not endorsing you or any effort to increase your participation on the show. Right now, it seems to be about the right level. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Listen, but I'm only on tape during the introduction. Not tape, man. It's a digital audio file. Even this show quit using tape a while ago. We got to go, so just take it easy, all right? Next up are a bunch more highlights with prior guests of mine. Who they are, I have no clue. Dave, roll it. Musician and host, Rev Run. Well, Rev, can we touch uh, on the legendary Run DMC for a second? Because I have to tell you, prior to when Raising Hell came out, I was a Nike guy, but ever since, I switched to Adidas because of you, specifically. Uh, thank you for broadening my horizons. Did, did Adidas give you a lifetime supply of gear, by the way? Uh, yeah, lifetime for sure. I get them anytime I want. I make a call, and a box is shipped. So, wow. How, how cool is that? All right. Um, well, Run DMC... Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Um, any any style you want to, anything? 
website, pick some stuff, make a call. Damn. Yeah, that's juice. Say, Spud, I know the perks that the Rev here gets must make you feel somewhat jealous. I know no one ever sends you free stuff, but listen, don't let your feelings of inadequacy get you down. Just stay focused as the interview is going really well. Uh, Rev, I'm sorry. I'm going to be right back. It's not like I haven't tried to get free stuff from companies. I actually got through, you know, to speak with someone at Pepto-Bismol, thinking that, hey, these guys would comp me for life, no problem. Take soothing Pepto-Bismol and feel good again. But no, they freaking asked me for our ratings from the last quarter. Who knew Pepto-Bismol cared about ratings so much? I think the trick is just to tell companies you have a national radio show, and when they ask about the ratings, you tell them that you're number one in some obscure demo like uh, uh, 12 to 14 year olds or or 74 to 77 year olds. Well, I did give flying some thought, but with the internet, companies can look up anything about you these days. One's ability to BS has been severely restricted by those Google people. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You know, honesty is the best policy. I sure like living in the pre-internet world, man. Hey, I gotta get back to the rev, so quiet down. Alrighty, I'm back. Uh... I'm right here, I'm ready. All right, well, Run DMC is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You were nominated for... Actor William Hurt. You know, in terms of your roles, I have to say this. As a Lost in Space guy, I'm appreciative that you did that movie as I've spent decades taking crap from family and friends for preferring that TV show over Star Trek. Never fear, Smith is here. Thank you, sir. I love things. I mean, I love the idea of Lost in Space. We had a little bit of a... There were some snags we ran into along the way. Danger, Will Robinson. But I just worked with Steve Hopkins. I mean, I, I just worked with him on Race. Oh, oh yeah. Jesse Young. Heard it was great. Director, we had a, we had, and we had a wonderful, we had a wonderful time. Super. Well, in 2010, you actor and vocalist Jane Lynch. And speaking of funny, you know, we're discussing on this radio show just how darn difficult it is to be funny. It may look easy when attempted by professionals, you know, but it can get ugly when tried by those less skilled. So, a tip of the cap to you and your peers in the comedy profession. Well. And- and back at you. It sounds like you have a, a very disarming and charming wit yourself. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it's not something you can teach, I believe. You have to uh, kind of have it. But uh, I think with life experience and the more you kind of accept what life throws at you, you start to see what is hilarious about it. So I think that uh, humor certainly can, uh, if you don't start out funny, you can certainly end up funny. Well, okay. I, I, I just wrote that down. Say, Spud. Yes. Well, Jane agreeing to your question about humor maybe being best left to professionals, that should not necessarily exclude you, Spud Goodman, from trying to raise your game in this area. Uh, Jane, just one moment, please. What are you talking about? Well, it's still worth a try. And she did throw you a bone and say you were somewhat witty. Yeah. Well, now, that may not be saying you're actually funny, but, you know, she could have said you were a big bore or put people to sleep. Hey, that was only in one review and it was an online weekly, okay? I know she was trying to be kind there, and there's no way you know she'd be brutally honest and say I was a total waste of human flesh at this point in the interview. Maybe later when she hangs up to her rep or some, but you know I'm gonna take any compliments, even if they originate from a sense of pity. Well, I think you should ask her if there's some book or something you could read on how to be funny. Obviously, she learned years ago how to pull this off, so she might know of something you could check out at the library to help. Well, yeah, that would be cool, except 
my library card's been pulled as I owe so much in overdue fines. I sorta, you know, have my own library now in my apartment from all the overdue books I still have. You know, why don't you just take them back and accept your fate like a man? Because it's too embarrassing at this point. Some of them are like three or four years overdue. I look like a selfish serial book hoarder, and I know I would be really pissed off if I was someone who wanted to check out some of the books I have at my place. Yeah. But hey, I, I, I don't want to think about, you know, these feelings of shame right now. Let me get back to Jane. Yeah, oh, oh, very well. I'm so sorry about that, Jane, but I'm back. Sure. Let's talk about TV and your reason. Comedian and host of WTF podcast, Mark Marin. Um, well, you've charted a course only a few human beings have been able to successfully navigate with your uh, WTF podcast. I, I told Adam Carolla when he was on, he was like the 21st century William Randolph Hearst with his empire, with a caveat that maybe he had a few more friends than Hearst. But I guess with your success, it'd make you like a web-based version of Elvis. How many listeners do you have each week on your podcast? I don't know. I think it's up around you know three hundred, four hundred thousand per episode. My God. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I I think that um, it's, <laughs> you know we we're all just sort of you know kind of you know finding our way in a new medium, and and it's very exciting that that uh, you know we can do this on our own terms. It's it, it's one of the yeah. I never thought that that I would you know have my own business or 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 that things would really work out necessarily, but um. Uh, but you know they have, and and the podcast is uh, is a is a real uh, it's a, it's amazing. It's a very short walk to work, and I just go out into my garage. So it, you know what could be bad about that? The Spud Goodman Show. Some people like it. Hey, uh, we need to pick up the pace. You know this thing is moving along like a show on C-SPAN three right now. Yeah, frankly, I'm a bit bored here, but I. Could probably spew out a few more fake laughs if I had to. Yes, but listen, I have no qualms faking whatever human emotion you feel is needed right now. Well, everyone in this studio knows our executive producer has discussed subcontracting out all of our duties uh, with cheaper foreign labor. Remember that. I I know. So how's this? <laughs> okay. I may have lost my groove there. I well, might need to uh, recalibrate the tone of my laughing. Maybe yeah, this is yeah. a better uh, moment. Uh, let's see. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I would opt for the more restrained but still enthusiastic laugh. But may I add, it's very patriotic on your part to have resisted the urge to accept cheaper third world labor to fill your personal assistant position. Right. They are not our friend. You know, after they canceled the post-show report, Derek would have been out on the street right now if you would not have agreed to let him have that job, uh, even though he did call in sick again today. Yeah, you know, he's sure gone a lot. I know. Well, it, it's not a real job as, as I don't pay him, but, oh. but I have on occasion slipped him a free milkshake or a stick of gum. Uh. All I wanted was a fancy, just one fancy. And she wouldn't give it to me. Well, let's just play some more highlights. Uh, so, Dave, cue them up. Let's go. Sex therapist, right Dr. Ruth. Um, well, speaking of myths also, we, we were discussing uh, on the show tonight uh, Bigfoot. And on a related note, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that old big feet, uh, you know, big penis thing. Is there scientific proof of this? Because I wear like a size six. Absolutely and not. It's not. Absolutely oh, good. Thank not. you. Thank you. But, but, you know, in the play about me, uh, yeah, becoming right. Dr. Ruth, right. that Deborah Jo Rapp started right. in the Berkshires and then in, in near Broadway, off Broadway. So what is true is that I want a, a man who is worried about the size because the size 
has nothing to do with the sexual satisfaction of the woman. I want him to stand in front of a mirror, bring himself to a good erection and admire that erection. He will never worry about the size again. And we have to bury all of those stupid myths about the size of the hands and the size of the feet. Not so. Well, I'm writing this okay, down. I'm yeah. as fast as I can. I'm writing this down. So you know, because I <laughs> see women look. You know, when I go out to bars, they look down at my feet and they kind of like run away. So I mean, I'm not micro mini, but it just is that. Thank you so much for that. Nonsense. Thank you. Nonsense. And people should enjoy each other. They should have a good relationship. And with a good relationship and with an interesting life, comes very, very good. Um, sexual encounters. All right, super. <laughs> Former well, Senate Majority Leaders Trent Lott and Tom Daschle. Right. Well, Senator Lott, your memoir was aptly titled Herding Cats, A Life in Politics. As a Republican Senate Majority Leader, <laughs> you know, it seems to me that that position would be about as much fun as getting a root canal, as your party seems to play a rougher, more full-contact brand of politics. You know, they don't show much mercy to those in leadership positions. Is that Would that be an accurate assessment? Well, that's true, and if, if you if you make a mistake uh, politically or something you say or do, you probably don't want to be a Republican because your head will be handed to you, and and that's unfortunate. But uh, you know that's just part of it. Uh, look, it used to be rough at the beginning of our country. I, we got a quote in our book from John C. Calhoun from South Carolina mm. about Henry. Clay, who was known as a compromiser, and here's what uh, Calhoun said. He said, I don't like Clay. He's a bad man, an imposter, a creator of wicked schemes. I don't, uh, wouldn't speak to him, but by God, I love him. <laughs> and uh, you know, how much flack did he take for that? That's the way it ought to be. You know, I didn't agree with Ted Kennedy on, on hardly anything, but I found a way to work with him on some issues like immigration reform, children's health care, uh, because, and by doing that, we probably produced a, a better product and one that costs less uh, and, and dealt with some important issues. We didn't always succeed. I certainly didn't agree with him on a lot of occasions, but that you just you have to work with people across the aisle and the philosophical divide. Right. You know, it's always been rough and tumble. There's the famous incident in 1856 where Preston Brooks came over from the House of Representatives and used his cane on Charles Sumner, the senator from Massachusetts, and built, beat him within inches of his life. And, you know, we haven't had a caning incident now in 120 years, so I guess we're <laughs> making progress. Yeah, although it kind of looks like we might be headed towards one of those cane incidents soon, but I, okay, uh, I'm sorry, Spud, but I've been listening intently to your interview with the senators, and I was wondering if you could ask them if being a senator was more fun than being Look, like... hey, a- I'm speaking with two former majority leaders of the United States Senate here. Yeah. They have written a really important book about making our government work again. I am not going to ask some goofy question if their job was more fun than being a rock star or something, okay? I was not thinking of a rock star. I was going with the movie star route. I mean, okay. they get their picture taken all the time. They fly all over the world. They right. get to attend fancy dinners. It's a pretty glamorous life, don't you think? Uh, yeah, they do live large, but it took many years for each of them to get to the position of Senate Majority Leader. It just didn't happen like Brad Pitt's career blowing up after Thelma and Louise. Please just be quiet and let me finish the interview. Uh, okay, okay, got it. Uh, Senators, please forgive the interruption. Absolutely. 
Well, Senator Daschle, in your term as Majority Leader, uh... The legendary stand-up comedian, Gilbert Gottfried. So another part of your legendary status has been your well-documented supposed frugality. I mean, some of your fellow comics have described you as the cheapest comic on the face of the earth. Any truth to this? Um, uh, no, not at all. I'm, I'm very, very generous. And, okay. Um, I'm not getting charged for this call, am I? No, no, it's, it's on our dime. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't actually go into fast food places and grab like a month's supply of free ketchup packs, do you? Uh, no. I grab two months. Okay, there you uh, go. One month, uh, it wouldn't be worth the trip. Well, okay, all right, super. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please greet our musical guest, Wes Spate and the Apollo Proxy. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves officially and ID your instrument of choice. John Murphy, bass. West Spate, guitar, keys, harmonica, vocal. Wow. Eric Sepulveda, lead guitar. Glenda Kistner, drums. All right, super. Now, you guys are about to hit the road on a West Coast tour and have a new record out titled You May Proceed, available now on Bandcamp, among other places. So did you guys hold up in a studio and seal yourself off from the world for like six months or a year, or did it happen pretty quickly? It would be a much shorter album if we did that, probably. Um... But no, we spent, I think, maybe a total of like five days oh. after work uh, Super. putting this together. And luckily, uh, I personally have the opportunity to hold up in one of the best studios in Seattle, Robert Link Studios, and kind of have my free will of the studio and do what we want in there. So that's how we made it. All right. Very cool. Hey, what's the band's uh, take on waxing? Are any of you guys secure enough to state for the record that you're regular waxers? Maybe not the full Brazilian treatment, but may say more of a Belize version. I, I find it very liberating myself, very freeing. I wax uh, at least twice a month mm-hmm. um, to avoid chafing at work because... Uh, yeah, it's only as taint. Excessive hair growth <laughs> in the chub rub area tends Got it. to... Uh, okay, we don't need to get too explicit, but yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well... Let me ask you this: Can I? Is anyone? Does anyone in the band? And I'm just going to honor system. I'm not going to ask you to get your wallet out or anything. But um, do you guys have a valid library card? It's, it's it's a personal question, but it reveals a lot about someone. My two daughters have library cards, so I tend to get books on their library card because I don't ever return them, and so the fees Boy, get docked onto buddies like you. Their yeah. account. <laughs> All right. Someday, I know they all got to go back. Something you want to think about, but anyway. All right. I'd so, last question: If if you guys could open for any band on earth, who would it be? Chumba Wumba. Ooh. Okay. I'll Google that. I, I don't agree with that at all. That's a horrible band. But okay. <laughs> all right, super. Well, what's the name of the next song you guys are gonna do? Mama took away all the fun. All right. Let's do it.
This is the Spy Goodman Show. This is the Spy Goodman Show. Hey, this is Larry the Cable Guy, and you're listening to the Spud Show. Anyway, I think you are. You're not. You're a communist. Uh, I'm not even listening to the Spud Show. What the hell am I talking about? Uh, I'm I'm being told Lawrence, the show's public sector food critic, is holding and wants to speak to you, Spud. I I guess he's back on the road somewhere, huh? Oh, uh, okay. I'll put him on. Lawrence, you there? Where Where are you at, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm here, Spud. Super. Yeah, yeah. I'm at a Greyhound terminal waiting for my bus to Fort Knox, uh, Kentucky. Yeah. I'm supposed to review the food served uh, at the main cafeteria on post day. You know, it's a, it's a lot of gold that uh, the U.S. bouillon depository is there. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I hope the menu is uh, top notch. Then that's yeah. important. Anyway, hey, is Gina in the, in the studio now? Yeah, she's sitting right next to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. Hey, Gina, Gina, you know, I did check out that insane clown posse gathering that you told me about that was in Iowa this week. Oh, the Greyhound bus I was on, it stopped for a bathroom break at a truck stop. So I got off uh, outside Aiden, and I hitchhiked my way back out to a farm that's not that far from uh, Boone, Iowa, where all those juggalo friends of yours were doing their thing and all that. You know? I'm feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Oh, you actually went. That is so cool. So what do you think? Was it like everything I promised? I mean, how long of a set did Shaggy 2 Dope and Violent J do? Well, they didn't go on stage until like 4.30 in the morning, man. So, But the funny thing was the audience was wide awake. Everyone but me, well, because I dozed off after a couple of songs. I don't know what the hell is going on with my body. Well, uh... How, I think that maybe I might try to be taking a pregnancy test. If it's not that, then it's menopause, definitely. How did they sound? I mean, it was amazing, right? Well, uh, the few songs that I was waiting for, they all kind of sounded alike to me. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I didn't give them a fair chance. Yeah, okay. I can loan you their full, uh, dis... Um, it, their full album anytime you want. I have like so. Hey, you many. know, I can't wait this at my house, uh, at my apartment there. So, oh, oh shoot, just saying that my bus to Port Knox is here. So, I, I'm gonna let you, your listeners know how good food is there. All right, when I get one chip back, and I gotta go. All right, bye for now. Uh, all right, man. Talk to you soon. Uh, so, Gerald, as my personal assistant is absent once again, oh, yeah. I hate to ask, but I need you to put some of this Desinex antifungal cream on my feet as, as I have a pretty bad case of athlete's foot or feet as both of them have it. Tom Brady loves me. And- uh, well, j- just take my shoes and socks off because I can't really reach for it from here well, and rub some of that stuff on as, as they feel really dry and chafed. It'll only take a minute. Yeah, but but, but I, I don't have any more of those rubber gloves. It's not like my feet have cooties. Just suck it up and do it bareback. And, and, and while you're doing that, you know, we need to put on some more highlights from past interviews. Dave, did you do that, please? Yeah. Th- all right. Comedian all right. and actor J.B. Smoove. You know, you're J.B. Smoove, and I'm Spud Goodman, so that explains that. You know, a lot of people would like to know what J.B. Smoove watches on TV when you have a moment to relax, besides Sports Center. you know, maybe when you're on the road at your hotel. Any shows that would surprise people? Oh, sure, man. The one show that I do love, you know, which, which I'm, I'm, in, I'm watching right now, matter of fact, um, it's called The Walking Dead, of course, because oh. I'm, I'm a big zombie guy. I think I heard of you it. You know, I do know, I do know it's a possibility that if the wrong person gets in office, the zombie apocalypse could happen. That's yeah. what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Be careful. Learn to get your zombie skills up. Get your zombie skills up because the zombie apocalypse 
could be on the horizon. I'm trying to tell you right now, I watch that show, not just for entertainment purposes, but I also watch that show to, to, to keep my skills, my, my, my zombie skills up. You know, what a zombie would do in this situation. What zombies like to eat, you know, what zombies smell, what attracts them to you. You know, different things like that, you know. Well, actress and vocalist Shirley Jones. Okay. But, you know, as, as far as the, when you were out, I was just curious because teenage girls don't really mess around. They don't play around when uh, they come across their crushes in person. Did you ever have to, like, run away or take cover? Not me. David did, of course, you know, forever. But I had, I had you know, young girls, for example. I, I lived in Beverly Hills and right on a corner. And I would wake up every now and then and see... A, a beautiful young girl sleeping on my lawn and I went out there and I said who are you what are you doing here oh I took a bus from Iowa I wanted to meet David Cassidy wow. and I had that happen quite a few times and I had to pay for them to call their parents and pay for them to go home geez well I'm not gonna lie I was really jealous of David he was just too cute for you know for guys, <laughs> but, all right um, well musician Ian Anderson. You know, I don't want to get all Freudian here, but just thinking about this, your rejection of uh, of the you know the cliche, uh, really you know the Ferrari or whatever. Uh, it just I guess does that mean that uh, you're like well adjusted and maybe just possibly well endowed also because you don't need any sort of external symbols to, to kind of compensate. You know what I'm saying? I think I know what you're saying, and I have to report to you, I am Mr. Average. I know this because I got out a, a ruler just a couple of weeks ago because of some article in the paper about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the male attributes in terms of, of size and dimension generally. And I, I remember when I was a teenager, I remember sort of being fascinated enough to measure myself and thinking, oh, I'm not sure, is that good or is that bad or am I, you know... But uh, amazingly, the, it is exactly the same measurement as I sport today. And, and there are some bits of you that get bigger. You know, as we all know, as you get older, your ears tend to get bigger, your feet get bigger, the, the hairs that are coming out of your nostrils and your ears get longer. I know. And so, um, but other things kind of shrivel away. And I'm happy to report that I do not walk around with inside my codpiece and tights wearing a little acorn. It's just the same old chap that used to be there, um, you know, from teenage years onwards. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm relieved that some things in life just stay the same. Well, not, I'm bummed, but you could be right. Uh, for the record, everyone knows I'm still in search of a of a Corvette, and I, hopefully that will, you know, maybe fill my, you know, you know. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. I, I have some deficiencies, and and uh, I can't afford a Corvette right now, but that's my goal someday. So anyway, all right, let's. let's Comedian and musician Jeff Daniels. Right. Well, as a highly accomplished actor, what I find most interesting about your career is among your many intense dramatic roles, you've also taken on some goofy material, as it's a long walk from the Squid and the Whale to. Dumb and Dumber. That's pretty fearless on your part, I have to say. Yeah, well, thanks. I, I, I wanted to create a range, as wide a range as possible, and to go from a Dumb and Dumber to a Squid and the Whale to a newsroom, uh, you, you just, there aren't a lot of actors who do that or who would risk that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I love being able to do that. Say, Spud, does, does Jeff's stunning versatility in his career prompt you to look at your own talents and maybe regret that you might not have been blessed with skills um, outside of doing maybe well, this talk show um, thing? 
I would recommend that you uh-huh. not compare your God-given talents with someone like Jeff. Yes. As it will only cause you mental well, anguish. Well, yeah, multi-talented people like Jeff Daniels do make me feel a little lacking. Well, I appreciate it. Sure, but I have a lifetime of experience in dealing with those feelings. Well, I, I bet you do. It's just that Jeff is an extreme example of somebody who can do just about everything yeah. really, really well. Speaking with guests like this, it must really take a toll on your self-esteem. Uh, not really until you, unnecessarily, have rubbed reality in my face. I was doing pretty well until you jumped in here. Well, I- I'm sorry. I-, I didn't mean to bum you out. I was just trying to be proactive if overwhelming self-loathing and depression overtook you during this interview. Geez, with co-hosts like you, who needs the nattering nabobs of negativity out there? Listen, I need to pick myself up here and finish this interview with Jeff, so shut the hell up, please. Okay, okay. You know, I now realize I hit a sore spot with this one. My lips are sealed. Hey, I'm real sorry about that, Jeff. I'm back. Got it. So again, before I was rudely interrupted by my temporary co-host here, we were discussing... Actor and comedian Will Forte. All right, let me hit you with the last question. Thank Um, you. It, it's been said you've had to deal with some OCD tendencies. I know I feel the situation is a big help in my job as, as a host. Like, I always show up for work whether I want to or not. It's just something I have to do each day. And I'm pretty sure non-OCD people are much more prone to absenteeism. Has it helped your career? Uh, I, you know, I would certainly say that, that uh, there are parts of this, uh, the parts of it, and, and you know, I, I, I know that there are, uh, you know, I'm, I have a pretty good on the OCD scale. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I definitely have, you know, my, my weird OCD tendencies, but I can, you know, I know there, I think there are people who like can't leave the house because of it and stuff right. like that. Yeah. You show up on but the it, set. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 It, it, uh, it definitely helps when it comes to writing. Um, cause it's, you know, I will, I mean, it helps and hurts. I, it, it's, it, uh, you know, I, I won't, I won't go until I think something is perfect, but as you know, nothing is ever perfect. So there's always something, but I need closure on it. So it's, it's really tough for me to, and I'm, I'm still learning how to get to a place where I can sign off on something that's close enough. Right. Um, uh, but, but, it, but I think it does help in, in, uh, making the, the product, uh, closer to, to being what I want it to be uh, when we start shooting it, um, but it's it, you know it hurts in stuff like you know relationships and, and yes. stuff like that, which sure is, does. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for sharing this. All right. Well, I know you. Got Comedian to Jeff you Foxworthy. Well, let's let's deal with a little bit about when you first started. Is it true that uh, at that time that you at first you were working in the computer industry because you have to be the first IT guy in the world to become a successful stand-up? Comedian. Those guys are not exactly known for being hilarious at the office, you know. Well, I worked at IBM. It sounds more glamorous than it was. I carried a tool bag and I fixed machines, but probably like a lot of people, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And and my dad worked there, and I'm sure he had somebody to go, hey, give my kid a job. But I, I was the guy that was always doing impersonations of the boss in the break room, and then I'd turn around and the boss would be in the doorway. So, you know, I wasn't on the fast track to success. But I was was always making people laugh, and a bunch of guys I worked with entered me in a comedy contest, and I had never been to a comedy club, and I went up and I won the contest against working comics. I had no idea what I was doing. Wow. And and I quit my job. You know, my parents thought I had lost my mind. My mother's like, 
Are you on dope? What is wrong with you? And then five years later, I was on Johnny Carson, and the same mother is going, you know, you wasted all those years at IBM. And But uh, I found something that I love to do, you know, and it just kind of made my heart sing. And, you know, 30 years later, I still love to do it. I still get excited about going to work. It was kind of worked out. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was okay. Hey, Spud. You know, as Jeff here wrote that book, you might be a redneck if. Yes. Well, you know, I was given that book as a gift a few years back, and I have to say, I identified with many of the scenarios he wrote about. What do you want me to say? You don't exactly look like a redneck with your suit and tie at all times. You look more like a DEA agent. I have told you many times, I just feel more comfortable in a suit and tie. Okay. It it is who I am, but I don't think clothes are all that make the man. I mean, I may not wear jean shorts or enjoy bass fishing, but according to Jeff's book, I just might be an actual redneck. Okay. Okay. I haven't shared this with many people as, you know, living in the Pacific Northwest, sometimes rednecks have a difficult time assimilating into the community. Hey, to each his own, man. If you enjoy eating deep-fried pig's feet, then knock yourself out. Who am I to judge? (laughs) That was very Pope Francis-esque of you, Spud. You're making real progress in being more tolerant. I'm trying, okay? So can I get back to speaking with Jeff, please? Absolutely. As I am such a big fan of his, you know how much it would mean to me to jump in and just exchange a few words with him? No, no. I would be brief. No, that's never going to happen Uh, on my watch. Zip it, because I have to get back to him. Hey, Jeff, uh, I'm back. Uh, Thanks, bud. Well, hey, you hosted the show Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And I have. My! How time flies! Let, let us now wrap this anniversary special as I have more important things to do. Like, like earlier today, I was researching my family tree on Ancestry.com. Oh. I'm way back in the caveman days now. Who knew my people invented the first barbecue? It must have been a hibachi, as I don't think they had gas back then. That's so hot. Uh, do, you, do you still want to do two coats of this cream yeah. on well, your feet, or yeah. will one, uh, one do it? Oh my god, one is more than enough. Look, my feet don't stink that bad. Yeah, but that cream smells like, uh... It smells really good. You know, actually, I don't find the aroma off-putting as I myself had to battle psoriasis for many years. Uh, Good to know. Most nights, I have my wife Rachel slather a good coat of this nifty lotion I found at Walgreens on my back and lower extremities. Over the line! But, But it seems to help quite a bit. Uh, so could you maybe clip my toenails too? The, the little one right there. Yeah, that, uh, that, this is right it's here. a little nasty. It's nasty because I scratched myself in bed last night. Yeah, that uh, that one. That okay. one. That one. Uh, I can't uh, believe I let you talk me into this. Spud, I'm glad this thing is over. I've I'm just laughed out. I really need okay, to go I home, know, know, put on some sweats, and curl up with a few Jack and Fagos. Man. Many Jack and Fagos. And that's why we make Fago. You know, I've never ordered that drink in a bar before. Do you have to pass some secret juggalo test before they serve you? The answer is... Uh, let me know, as, as I'm always up for a tasty new cocktail. All right, then. Uh, yeah, i got to close this thing. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. Once Bye-bye. again, Wes Spate and the Apollo Proxy.
Time to set sail. Time to set sail. Time to set sail. Now we we set Copyright 2016, Spud Goodman Productions.